Welcome to the Mount Olive Baptist Church podcast. I'm Pastor Carl Stokes. We appreciate you being here today with us. Our desire is to preach the Word of God effectively and clearly so that you can understand God's desire for you in your life. Tonight we're going to look at the book of Jonah in the Old Testament. If you uh, turn your Bibles to the book of Jonah, chapter 1. Jonah, chapter 1. Let's join together for prayer as we uh, pause together to look to God's Word. Dear Gracious Father, Lord, we thank You so much for Your Holy Word, and we praise You for the opportunity and the privilege to study it, to make it a part of our life, and to allow Your voice to speak to our hearts. Lord, we pray that You would bless us now, and Lord, help us to be attentive to all that You have for us. Lord, let let our hearts be uh, soft and tender to Your voice, and Lord, may we uh, be willing to change in our heart and our life according to your desire and will. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Jonah is a book of the Bible I, I love to preach from, and uh, so often I love to, to preach from here because so many times we think we know all there is to know about Jonah and, and uh, pretty much the whole story that we tend to, to place within our heart and uh, is... Uh, usually uh, what we've learned in in Sunday school, and uh, listen, I'm not knocking Sunday school at all, but but all the things that have to be taught in Sunday school, you can't go deep into the Word because you have to, so oftentimes you have to kind of skim the the treetops to get uh, what you can and and, uh, move on to the next thing. And I I love to go deep within within God's Word and to understand what there is to know about uh, certain uh, texts of the Bible. Jonah is one of the books of the Bible that <clears throat> is uh, kind of the hardest book in the Bible for non-Christians to accept. They uh, tend to uh, accept a lot of the other books of the Bible that are more historic or uh, uh, prophetic because of the fact that they are speaking about places and times and and events that are checkable but uh, with the book of Jonah it tends to uh, be something that uh, that kind of causes people to have difficulty primarily because uh, uh, if I was to say Jonah and the what would you say whale, whale right yeah well it wasn't uh, the Bible never says it was a whale So uh, right off the bat, you're already uh, uh, batting a zero in the fact that you're really not uh, as knowledgeable about Jonah as you think you might be. Uh, We tend to think of it as a whale because we know how big whales are. We know that whales are are, uh, uh, gigantic in proportion, uh, many of them, and uh, it's very conceivable that a whale could swallow a human being, but that's not what the Bible says here. Uh, it it says a great fish, and a whale's a mammal, not a fish. Isn't that right? I mean, uh, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I think uh, <clears throat> because whales uh, breathe through the blowhole on the top, not through gills, and uh, this this 
specifically says a great fish. So we're going to look at Jonah and try and see what God would have for us to, to understand and know. It's more than just a story about a man who gets swallowed by a fish. Uh, it's more than just a fish story. It's, it's really a story about God and, and a lesson about God. And so let's look at, uh, dive right in. So, and I promise that's probably the last metaphor I'll use uh, or the uh, going with the uh, nautical theme there, diving right in. Let's look at that. Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, uh, uh, the son of Amittai, saying, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from uh, the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa. And he found a ship going to Tarshish, so he paid uh, the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord." Surprisingly, we're going to stop right there because there's a lot to be gleaned from this just in the first couple of verses. And uh, what I want to share with you is, is that this is a uh, book of prophecy, uh, very much like many of the other uh, prophets that are mentioned within the Bible. And uh, <clears throat> this book of the Bible is very much like uh, the accounts of uh, Ezekiel and and. Uh, uh, other prophets that are mentioned uh, in uh, the book of Kings and, and, uh, and in other places. In fact, the first words that are mentioned here in the book of Jonah, saying that the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, is the same formulaic uh, version of what is said over 112 times in the Old Testament uh, when referring to God's Word coming to a prophet. And so uh, the, book, the book of Jonah is very much like all the many other uh, prophetic books. Uh, it, uh, there's not a whole lot known about Jonah other than he is uh, the son of Mittai and he is uh, from a region of... Uh, from the clan of Zebulun, and uh, he lived in an area very close to um, Nazareth, I believe it is. I, I forget the name of the town uh, where he was from uh, off the top of my head, but uh, it, it states that he is from an area in a region uh, in Zebulun, uh, the tribe of Zebulun. He's, uh, other than that, there's not a whole lot known about uh, Jonah at the onset, uh, but we do what we do see is is a book that is written about a prophet that is not in the very greatest of light. Most of the other prophetic books in the Bible uh, paint the prophet of God as someone who is very faithful, someone who uh, does exactly as the Lord uh, tells them to do. Uh, but many times those prophets are called upon to go and to speak to the, uh, on behalf of God to the nation of Israel. There's a large distinction with Jonah in that he is uh, probably the only prophet that you see that, that outright disobeys God. And that's something that's not seen uh, in hardly any of the other prophets of God. Uh, they all obey God and, and do as God commands. Uh, uh, also, you see that that uh, the word of God comes to Jonah at, for him to go and to prophesy to the city of Nineveh. Uh, 
Now, this book of the Bible is most likely uh, written sometime uh, within the time frame of 750 B.C. to 250 B.C. Unfortunately, uh, there's no way, they have no way of, of nailing it down any smaller than a 500-year uh, span of years uh, there uh, before Christ, but uh, they do believe that this uh, was uh, during that time frame. And uh, God is calling for uh, Jonah to go and speak to the people of Nineveh. And this city of Nineveh was uh, in, uh, it, it was an Assyrian city. And right off the bat, we see something very peculiar about uh, God's relationship to Jonah in that Jonah decides instead of going and speaking to that city of Nineveh, that he decides instead uh, to go somewhere else. And most likely it is because of uh, one thing primarily being uh, on the, in the fact that they are a wicked city. Uh, it says in verse 2, Arise and go to Nineveh, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. So right off the bat, we know that the people of Nineveh are a wicked people. In fact, the Assyrians were known uh, for their savagery uh, towards those that they went up into battle. They uh, did a lot of very cruel and and. Uh, very barbaric things to those that they took into uh, that were in the the areas where they conquered uh, the Assyrians uh, from this time period were known to be very uh, uh, brutal people, and so that could be very well be the part of the the wickedness that that God is referring to also they were known to be very pagan people and and worshiped other gods and so these these could be uh, likely the reasons that uh, Jonah does not desire to go and to preach to them primarily because the implication is, is here's God saying to Jonah go and preach to them now why would God have Jonah go preach to them if he didn't have within his intention that the people of Nineveh would re- have an opportunity to repent. God would not tell the people of Nineveh to go. Uh, God doesn't warn people of coming punishment or coming doom unless he desires for them to have an opportunity to repent from their wickedness, repent from the evil ways, and to turn back if there's still time remaining. And so Jonah realizes that if God is calling him to go and to speak to the people of Nineveh, then he, uh, Jonah says, well, if I'm going to preach to them of their wickedness, then God must want them to repent of their wickedness and to give, show them mercy. And so we see in the prophet of God a character flaw in that he uh, uh, has a blind spot when it comes to the people uh, to the Assyrian people. He uh, he, and we'll see later on in the book of Jonah that that. Uh, Jonah has a great desire to see God's mercy, God's grace shown to Jonah himself and to the Israelites, but he doesn't have a desire to see that same grace and mercy applied to anyone else, especially someone as uh, a group of people as evil as the Assyrians. And this is something that uh, right off the bat is something that we can see uh, 
as a characteristic of God. That God's desire is, is that He would show mercy and grace to all people. God's, uh, great, God's message of salvation is not just to white people. It's not just to people of North America. It's not just to people of uh, 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 what we would consider civilized people or anything else. God's grace and God's salvation is open to all. Even the most uh, barbaric and most uh, reprobate people in terms of what uh, God is calling Jonah to do is to go and to preach an amazing uh, testimony of God's love to a city. And, and this city is, uh, it says here that it's a great city. And there's some debate in terms of if it's talking about a great city in terms of size or if it's just a, a referring to the city of Nineveh as an important or significant city. Unfortunately, it's both of those. It's a, a city of considerable size in that uh, we've learned later that Jonah travels, I believe, for three days and, and still hasn't made even halfway through the city of Nineveh. Uh, and so it's a, a city of great size for that time frame uh, in terms of, of the, the size and the enormity of the city. But also it's a, it's a significant city in that it's the capital, uh, Syrian capital uh, Nineveh is. And so uh, we see that it, it has a lot of, of great uh, significance. And God desires that this city that is very wicked, these, these people that are, are very clearly without uh, the presence of God in their life or the influence of God in their life, that they would have a prophet of God to go and to preach the message of God to these people. It says a lot about the missionary movement, doesn't it? I mean, there was a time in which uh, we had people in uh, our own denomination that said that, uh, well, if God wants people to, uh, to know about uh, Him, He doesn't have to use a missionary to go in there and tell them about Him. Well, uh, here we have uh, God directly telling a prophet He wants him to go and to preach the gospel. Uh, this goes contrary to uh, the Great Commission that's in Matthew, but it also goes against this impression of God as well, that He wants His message to go out throughout the whole earth, even to those people that are despicable in our eyes. Uh, in modern terms, this would uh, place the people of Nineveh, uh, the city of Nineveh, and the Assyrians in the same category uh, that we would today of, uh, you know, Islamic extremists, places within this world that, uh, that are brutal against those who are Christian. There are places in this world where if you're found out to be anything other than a Muslim, then you could be put to death, uh, that uh, you certainly could be put into prison. Uh, there are places in this world, uh, in communist countries and other places, that uh, simply to be a Christian is a death sentence. And so uh, this passage of Scripture is pointing to that fact as well, that God desires His message of grace and love to even be shared with those who would persecute us and, and kill us uh, if we were to share the gospel message with them. Jonah is a man of God that desires to, to serve God, and we see in him a character flaw in that he desires to, to serve God only when it suits his personality. And that, that's a characteristic of Christianity today, uh, 
unfortunately for many Christians, oh, I'll go and, and serve God as long as I'm not doing anything too dirty or filthy. I'll go and serve God as long as I don't have to go over there to some third world country where there's not air conditioning and there's snakes everywhere. Uh, or I'll serve God as long as I don't have to go somewhere where uh, I don't have to eat weird food or, or uh, uh, where I, you know, we place all kinds of conditions on our service. God wants us to go and not worry about those things. God desires for us to go and simply serve and to go places even when it goes contrary to our own desires. And he's calling Jonah, and Jonah says, I'm not going to go. So he hatches a plan. In verse 3, it says that uh, Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Now, uh, this is a, a very peculiar turn of the phrase, to go from the presence of the Lord. Uh, now, it's not as if Jonah believes that God is not able to... Uh, raise up another prophet to go and to preach in his place. Uh, what Jonah is attempting to do here is, is he's trying to get away from uh, anyone who might influence him to do what he knows to do right. And the idea here is, is that Jonah is saying, okay, I know what God wants me to do, but I don't want to do it, so I'm going to get away from God's people. I'm going to get out of Israel where God's uh, uh, word is prevalent, where God uh, speaks through His people and God's presence is very well fe uh, felt. I'm going to go somewhere where God's influence can't be on me as great. So what he's doing is he's trying to get away from the people of God. He's trying to get away from anyone who might be led to, uh, to say something to him in terms of, of his relationship to God. So he's trying to get away from any... It'd be like us trying to get away from the Holy Spirit today. And the Holy Spirit convicts us when we do something wrong. But you see Christians do this even with the Holy Spirit in our lives today. Uh, you see Christians who know they're supposed to be out sharing the gospel with people. We, we know we're supposed to be out going out and, and inviting people to church, knocking on doors and inviting them to come in and, and uh, be a part of, of uh, our fellowship and our worship of God and sharing the gospel message with people. We know that God is calling us to go out and to witness and testify to people and go and do work and uh, ministry and missions and all those things. And so you have Christians today that they they don't get go down to Joppa and hop on a boat and go the opposite direction of where God's leading them to. But you do have Christians that get highly involved in their job to where they feel as though they don't have time to serve God. You have people that are uh, run away from God in terms of not reading their Bible, not allowing God to speak to, the, uh, to their hearts uh, through His Scripture. You have people, uh, Christians that go out and then engage in all kinds of activities they know that are, are not what God would have them to do, uh, going out and, and uh, being a part of, of activities that they know that God's not a part of, thinking that they can get away from the influence of God. If I, uh, the idea is if I can get away from the people of God and I can get away from where I feel uh, the most uh, impression of God upon my life, 
that I won't think about what God's calling me to do. I won't feel convicted about what God's calling me to do. And I won't have to worry about it. And what uh, many scholars believe is, is that Jonah's trying to get far enough away from the influence of God that God will raise up another prophet and send in his place. Because Jonah is trying to get away from... It's not as though Nineveh is to the east and... and um, uh, Tarshish is to the west. It's basically that he's going anywhere but where God is calling him to go. And so we see uh, the man of God on the run. He's trying to do his very best to get away from what God's calling him to do. And that's what we as Christians sometimes tend to do, isn't it? We try and run away from God's calling. We run away. I, I've heard time and again of... of of men who are surrendered to the call of God late in their life. And one of the common things they say is, I've run away from God's call in my life for years. They knew they were, supposed, uh, they were called of God to, to serve as pastors or deacons or to uh, serve as missionaries and, and doing things for God. And they, they say, you know, I regret the fact that I've been running from God for all these years. You hear people who, who finally come to know Jesus says their Lord and Savior say the same thing. I've been running away from God for all these years. And finally, I've surrendered to God's call in my life. The important thing is to know is, is that God is always there. It doesn't matter, uh, doesn't matter what Jonah thinks he can do. He can't run from the presence of God. He knows that God is in heaven, that God's even in Sheol, that God is is all around. He's, he's in places more than just Israel. But he wants to get as far away from where God desires for him to be. And his desire is, is to be uh, somewhere where he doesn't have to deliver the message to the people that he has a great animosity towards, a great uh, uh, desire not to to see come to know Christ, uh, to know God in a right relationship, and so uh, these are all very similar to attitudes that we see in people today. Uh, what we will see is that Jonah can't go anywhere away from where God is. God's always where. Uh, uh, we think we can run to to get away from God. God also, secondly, we'll, we'll learn and we'll see later on that uh, God has a way of, of leading us back uh, to where His desire is for our life. And uh, God does accomplish His desire in the lives of those who we seek to minister, whether we're involved in it or not. Uh, but God's uh, grace and God's love is so great to us when we yield to what God calls us to do. So we'll see all those things in the book of Jonah. We'll see a great, uh, a great uh, portrayal of the character of God. Here is a people that uh, in Nineveh who are so uh, contrary to the desires of God. They have been going away from the presence of God. And we'll see that God has spared uh, 
judgment upon them for their actions. He's had great patience with them in the midst of their sin, in the midst of their wickedness. And God has a desire to see them, to know, uh, uh, have a right relationship with Him and to repent of their evil ways and to turn away from their bad uh, behavior, their wickedness. And God uh, will also see that God will grant them uh, a great after a great turn of their heart that God will grant them uh, the grace that He desires for them to have. And all of this is pointing towards uh, God's great love and God's great grace affordable to all people. You know, there's so many people today that think they have to be a certain way when they come to know Christ. Well, I, you know, you witness to them and they say, well, I need to get rid of this in my life before I accept Jesus into my heart. I've got this uh, terrible habit of, and they'll say, share whatever it is. And it doesn't matter whatever, it, 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 they can say whatever it might be, it's never anything so great that God's love can't overpower in their life. That once they have, uh, you know, God doesn't call for us to get right with Him on the outside and then work in. He wants to get on the inside and work out. God's desire is, is to come into our heart and life and create a new being within us and then change all that's on the outside as His love is poured out into our life. And this is so evident in this message that's found in, in the book of Jonah. It's a great teaching tool. It's a great uh, example of the character and the love of God that God desires even to express His love to those who are so unloving. Uh, you know, it's, I, I can remember... Uh, Back uh, when the towers were hit in 2001, and everybody had such a hatred for uh, those people that did these things, these extremists that did these things to our country. And I had to remind people, look, God sent Jesus to die on the cross for even them, even Saddam Hussein, even uh, uh, the worst of the worst. God sent Jesus to die even for them, uh, for all the Al-Qaeda, for all those who were part of that, for Osama bin Laden, all of those uh, that had such hatred towards us. God desires to see them to know Him as Lord and Savior of their life as well. And that is important for us to remember that Everyone, God sent His only begotten Son that everyone in the world would know Him as Lord and Savior. And that's what we've got to remember in our lives as well. As we go out, not to be selective as to who we share our faith, but to share our faith with all that God puts before us. To share God's love with everyone and not to make judgments about people. Oh, I can't share my faith with that person there. You know, this, that, and the other, this XYZ, a, a biker, or a long-haired hippie, or uh, somebody that is into Eastern mysticism. I can't share my faith with this person because they're in a cult, or they're into this, or they're into that. It doesn't matter what they're into. God's desire is to see their hearts and lives changed, that His grace might be applied in their life, and that they too might know Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. And that's important for us to remember. It's important for us to remember that, that as we go out of this place, out of this church, that we need to reach people that, that 
uh, yeah, that are our neighbors that look like us, but reach it, people that look completely opposite from us. We need to share the gospel with people that are all over the world. And we need to invite them to come and be a part of this church. Come to know uh, Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, just like we do in our own heart and life. Let's pray.